Welcome, 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 everybody. Happy Women's History Month. It's Women's History Month. It is the month of celebrating women. Women's History Month is the best. Welcome, actually, to the Breakline Arena. I had the amazing opportunity to sit down with some incredible alums to gather their stories and to get to the heart of what this Breakline community of absolute kick-ass women really do and had the opportunity to celebrate them. In these Women History Month episodes, our alums brought their lights. They are uplifting, they are inspiring, and we'll leave you knowing that there's other people out there blazing trails and inviting you to join them too. So without further ado, let's head on over to the arena to hear from our alums in celebration of Women's History Month. What is up, everybody? My name is Sophia, and I'm a talent recruiter here at Breakline. And welcome to another episode for Women's History Month. And we are here with our incredible alum, Onai. Onai, can you please introduce yourself for everybody? Well, first of all, Sophia, thanks for having me here. Absolutely thrilled to be able to do this with you. Um, so I'm Onai, and I'm a customer success manager at Cisco Meraki, and I went through Breakline in 2018. Can't believe it's been uh, two and a half years, but here I am. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah, so you are a Breakline OG. So I've been very excited for this conversation. Um, and I would love to just kick things off just to, to help everyone, you know, familiarize themselves with you. Can you share your story with us, sort of where you're from, where you're at now, where you're going? Okay, no, awesome. Um, so at the moment, I live in London, but I actually, I was born and grew up in Hawaii, Zimbabwe. So um, <laughs> very different. We're talking about yeah. the weather earlier. Uh, very hot summers, warm winters, as I've now found out. <laughs> um, so yeah, as idyllic as it could be. Um, so I moved to the UK when I was 19 years old for university and you no know, flew on a plane all alone and you know, somehow made my way to Cheltenham. Luckily, I didn't get lost. And yeah, I started university the next day. So I studied English literature in university, uh, which is actually fabulous. So that was the University of Gloucestershire. And whilst I was at university, I was trying to think of what the hell am I going to do with my life? Yes. Um, so I went to the careers office at the end of my first year. You do kind of an assessment, which gives an idea of your interests and what is you'd be most suited to. So they actually advised I look at the Royal Air Force. But whilst I was looking at the Air Force, I decided to take a look at the Navy and the Army as well. I absolutely loved every moment with the army. So you get to do fan visits where you go to different corps and regiments for a few days, meet the officers, the soldiers, and other potential um, cadets as well. I loved every single moment um, I had with the army. So I decided that the army was the place for me to go. So I finished university in July 2007. I did graduate, but I didn't make it to my graduation ceremony. Um, and because I started Sandhurst in September 2007. Oh my gosh, you missed your graduation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was sleeping in a field somewhere. Uh, I can definitely tell you it's a better option would have been. So, um, yeah, so I did my time at Sandhurst and I commissioned into the Education and Training Services branch of the Army. So basically they're responsible for um, you know, the promotional courses, uh, their language as well, and the role. It's a very agile branch, which is what attracted me to it. So I spent 12 years uh, as an ETS officer and at the end of 12 years I felt that I needed a 
more stable life. I'd moved 11 years and I'd lived 11 times in those 12 years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I needed a bit of stability and I want to try working from home. Well, that's an answer. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I around. Your prayers were answered. <laughs> yes, they were. Be careful what you wish for. I know, seriously. <laughs> what um, yeah, so I started looking at what to do with my life. And it is kind of like being 18 years old again. You've got a wealth of professions and careers at your fingertips and it's trying to figure out what it is you're good for, what it is you like to do. Um, so that's how I came across Breakline, which was actually through a friend of mine, Rachel Stockton, who I think she did the very first Breakline in 2016. Um, Talk so about she, Breakline OGs. <laughs> yeah. No, she's absolutely fabulous. She's a very good friend. We actually met in the army. Um, she's oh, awesome. officer as well. So she introduced me to Breakline, and in 2018, uh, I did Breakline and came across Cisco Meraki. actually had my first interview with Adam um, whilst I was on Breakline, and lo and behold, I somehow made it through the interview <laughs> process, and as soon as I left the Army, I was a Cisco Meraki as a Customer Success Manager, where I've been for uh, nearly two years, maybe two years in June this year. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah, that's the story of <laughs> who I am and how I came to be where I am right now. What a ride. And I want to just like dig into a few of these details because you <laughs> yeah. have taken so many right and left turns in your life. Um, and maybe just, you know, you leaving Zimbabwe for the first time, going to college. How was that experience? I mean, it was absolutely terrifying thinking about it now. Uh, I think it was only the second time I'd ever been on a plane. I'd never left the country before. Um, so I had to check out my school fees. And then I had accommodation. I did have that. <laughs> I had some way to live. <laughs> I had At least you had that. With my, yeah, with my belongings. And I mean, I had absolutely no idea what to expect. And so the idea was that, you know, you're supposed to land at Heathrow and the university welcome team is supposed to greet you and, you know, mm-hmm. guide you and have good help them. But because my plane had been delayed by so long, so I think I landed quite close to midnight, there was no one there. Waiting. Oh so I kind of had to figure out what to do next. <laughs> that is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was 2004 before we had smartphones and everything else. So and how old are you? Are you like 18? <laughs> Yeah, I think I just turned 19. It was a okay. few days after my 19th birthday. Uh, so I just kind of had to figure out what to do. I think eventually I managed to work out that I could get uh, National Express, which is um, the coach from Heathrow to Cheltenham, which is where I was headed to. Mm-hmm. And from Cheltenham, I managed to get a taxi to uh, my accommodation. And, well, I'm imagining you just scrambling through the night, like, where am I? I'm probably sleep deprived because you've just been traveling for hours. <laughs> yeah. So it definitely was that. Uh, I mean, everything. I was absolutely exhausted. I think uh, I landed on Saturday because I remember on the Sunday um, I must have had to go and get some food um, because again I had nothing so I got some food and then Monday morning I had to find my way to the university I remember I lost my umbrella because the winds were too strong walking to the university <laughs> I got there soaked and wet and miserable <laughs> you know for you were like what have I done to myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so it was an experience, but I managed to make uh, two very good friends on the first day who were also in my English lit classes. 
Uh, that did help. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the power of friendship. It's all you need, a yeah. little bit of support. Yeah, exactly. And absolutely fabulous women, uh, Laura and Gemma, and they kind of guided me <laughs> through everything else. So Laura had always lived in Cheltenham her entire life. She knew it like a lot back of her hand. Gemma had been there for a few years as well. So like they had two great friends um, who remained my best friends throughout university. <laughs> and you know, it worked out. Oh my gosh, what what a bold leap. Kudos to you, that that is such a saga. Um, and then so as you, you decided to join the military, what sort of attracted you to that decision? Well, first of all, it was, I knew I didn't want to be in an office. And mm-hmm. I also knew that I wanted to make a difference. So by the time I left Zimbabwe, it wasn't very stable. There's a lot of political upheaval. And what had always been instilled in me is a need to do some good in the world mm-hmm. yeah, and that's what particularly attracted me about the army I mean towards the strap line it's you know be a force for good you know do something that can make a difference and they didn't live up to their promise and that is what attracted me attracted me to it and also the people um, I got on with every single person I met um, some people I met during my fan visits uh, would eventually didn't join but remain good friends um, afterwards um, some people I met and we remained friends up until you know I left the army and afterwards so it's a mixture of those the people and the need to make a difference in this world yes oh my gosh I love that thread and that is my favorite part of this breakline community is we encounter so many folks who are just driven to, to help better this world in whatever capacity they can and a lot of that you know, it, it comes from military service, but also, you know, then you then you moved into Cisco Meraki. What what really drew you to tech? Um, or if it wasn't, you know, specifically to tech, maybe to, to break line to Cisco. Well, so first of all, I looked at the tech sector because, I mean, as I said, when I was looking at what I'm going to do next, it's what am I really looking for uh, for my next role? And what I realized is I want to be part of an industry and something that was fast moving and mm-hmm. agile, moving with the times, really. So at which point I looked at tech. And then for Meraki itself, um, it was the culture, the values and the people. Because one of the things I realized is I really cared I re- and I really do care about the culture of the place at which I work, the culture mm-hmm. and its values, really. And just for my very first visit to um, Cisco Meraki with other brake cleaners, uh, you could see there was a place I wanted to be. Everyone was so friendly, so open, so nice. Mm. I remember speaking to Jorge, I remember speaking to Adam, you know, and a few of the people who I know are CSM on the US team as well. Um, it was just a very welcoming community. And then I just remember a couple of months afterwards, so I'd returned, you know, I'd been to San Francisco and I'd returned to London and going into the London office for my interview um, at Cisco Meraki. Um, my interview started at 4 p.m. So it was early, um, you know, late afternoon, early evening. And I remember just walking in and it was just very relaxed. It was friendly. You know, there were some guys in the corner playing a guitar. <laughs> yeah, like, what is going on here? That is so classic <laughs> tech. <laughs> yeah. yeah, coming from the army, it's like, oh, what's going on? But it was what I really liked about it is how, you know, everyone was smiling, everyone was happy, yeah. everyone was comfortable. It was an environment they really liked to be in. 
And that moment really struck me you know, when I went in for my panel interview. And when I came out three hours later, I had um, quite a few interviews afterwards, you know, they were still there. There was like a large group of people, you know, sitting, talking, having a beer, etc. And it just struck me that this is the place that people really want to be and they enjoy the job yeah. and they also enjoy working with each other. And ultimately, that's what sold me out of this Kimuraki. Yeah, no, what a beautiful thing that... The day was basically over and they were just hanging out and having a beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just genuinely you... liked each other. They just wanted to spend time together. I love that. Yeah, oh my gosh. Exactly. <laughs> I can totally see that culture just absolutely drawing you in. Okay. Thank you for, you know, fleshing out your whole background that you have s- such a cool story. Um, and I, w- I would love to switch gears a little bit. And so we are celebrating Women's History Month. And so we want to spend a little bit of time maybe chatting about what it means to be a woman in tech. So obviously there are, there's a tremendous gender divide um, within most industries, but tech definitely, you know, sees its share of inequities. So have you seen any of those aspects sort of play out? Um, And if you have, how do you navigate it? How do you support others who are navigating it? So, I mean, it's one thing that struck me. So I remember during my interview, the question was asked quite a lot is, how do you feel about working in male-dominated environments? Mm, interesting. Oh, you know, I'm in the army. Of course, I'm used to it. Yeah. But it has, <laughs> yeah. But it has struck me uh, since then. So, as a customer success manager, I work with accounts, with a lot of teams from, you know, different companies, and, uh, et cetera. And it always strikes me when I meet another woman because it is so rare. Yeah. Quite, quite often, I'm the only woman in the room, you know, in the mm. meeting. And I know it's the same for my teammates and my colleagues. So that always strikes me. And when you do see, you know, another woman in the industry who's also in tech, you know, we always feel this camaraderie as though we should support each other. And I know especially, you know, in my office, within my team, you know, the London team and the global team, we always support each other. We're there for mm. each other. You know, through, yeah. our, um, through everything that comes. And so that's one thing I've noticed. And then about the pay structures and discrepancies. And for me, that's something that I'm still trying to get my head around, um, mm-hmm. you know, having come from the military. Because in the army, if I wanted to know how much uh, know someone was paid, how much they earned, I just look at their rank. You know, they've been in the role three, four years. Go to Google. Okay, they're being paid this much. That's cool. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. It's super transparent. Yeah. And I can tell you how much I'd be earning next year and the year after if I got promoted. So it's super transparent. So what I've realized is that it's not that easy, uh, you know, in the corporate world and tech, etc. How I really got by is, you know, by, you know, talking to other women. And, yeah. you know, talking to women who are managers, and they're the ones who've really guided me through the conversations, you know, of, you know, do you know how much you're being paid? Do you know how much those in your team and those around you are being paid? And what are you going to do about that? And, I mean, these women have been absolutely amazing in guiding me. And so for myself and for my team, um, we're very close and we're a very small team, and we do have a thing where we all hang out all the time and get each other's work. Yeah, we do have these open discussions amongst ourselves, you know, yeah. uh, um, which is, you know, we talk about, you know, how we're going to negotiate, you know, what else is an offer, etc., and what challenges we're facing. Because mm. the only way we can progress is by working together. 
And I mean, that's the amazing thing I found, especially about my team. I can even name them, you know, Lulu, Shayla, and Juliana. Definitely amazing. We do guard each other and, you know, we help each other through all these conversations. And so it's that camaraderie, and I think, and that partnership and that lifting up of other women that I think is key to making it and key to ensuring that everyone's on the same page and actually we are all working towards a certain goal. Yes. No, I love that you're kind of using each other's lived experience as, you know, as means of navigating this. And how else are we supposed to open the dialogue about these things if we're not just having these conversations, especially with the people that we're close to. So I'm glad that you guys are really, you know, creating that environment. And I'm sure that when other people join your team, when hopefully other women join your teams too, they're going to really resonate with that. They're going to walk in, they're going to see you guys having a beer and talking about, you know, how to negotiate for higher compensation (laughs) among women. And they're going to be like, yes, this is where I want to be. And so, you know, you, you talked about a bunch of the folks who inspire and you work with every day, but I would love to know who inspires you most. I know it's really corny to say, but I probably say it's my mom. Um, she's probably one of the (laughs) strongest women I've ever met she's been absolutely amazing Uh, my dad died when when I was very young and you know she was a single mom she started off as a nurse she went back to university got her master's degree became a psychologist and a researcher as well (laughs) you know she all I saw when I was growing up was my kick-ass mom (laughs) all the boys I know seriously (laughs) that is so awesome oh my gosh yeah so I probably say it's her and she's the one who instilled to me a lot of the values that I carry carry for today so no she always instilled to me the importance of education first of Mm -hmm. all and the importance of standing on my own two feet as a woman in this world that I have to be learned to be my own person I have to learn to be independent and no secondly I have to be able to stand my ground no matter what and so you know she really instilled all of this in me and honestly I don't think I would have gotten that plane to a foreign country (laughs) in the the rain without the strength to know she'd instilled in me so yeah my mom I look look up to the most in this world and she set an example for myself and you know everyone around her um, who's ever met her. Oh my goodness. I love that. I love, we've, we've had a, a bunch of parent shout outs on this podcast and I, I am hearing you break line parents. You guys are doing great things. You're creating beautiful people who are inspiring <laughs> others and we love you. Um, so did your mom basically push you onto the plane to go to university? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and she's like, go, go get educated. And I say, but you'll miss me so much. Like, no, just go and get your education. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, do not worry about me. I'll catch you later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She didn't miss you, miss me. Two days later, um, no, but of she's course. Absolutely, yeah, no, she, no, no, she's absolutely amazing, and she's always been, uh, you know, behind me. 100%, even when I told her I was going to join the army, which she did not expect. But no, she wouldn't. Once she believed me, once she realized I was actually serious about it, she was behind me 100%. Good. Uh, <laughs> it took a little bit of coaxing, but we got her there. Yeah, no, she just thought I was, because um, I wish to be the kind of kid who used to kind of play practical jokes, so she just thought it was another one of my jokes again. Until she actually saw me put a pair of trainers and go for a run because she knew anything oh my I used God. to hate running. She's like, when she saw me go for a run one morning, so this is after she'd moved to the UK, saw me go for a run. She's like, oh, hang on. Yeah, she's like, no way. <laughs> yeah. That is too funny. 
<laughs> she was like, that is way more than a practical joke. Yeah. <laughs> She's actually putting the sneakers on. Yeah, exactly. And I came back, no crawling through the doorway half an hour and they like, okay, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Your mom sounds super awesome. Um, so I, I would love to talk about, so, you know, we got to discuss a little bit about who inspires you most. But the the beautiful thing about the the inspiration train is that it keeps on giving. And I'm sure that you are offering that inspiration, that mentorship to others. Can you talk a little bit about what it what it's like to mentor others, to to really kind of foster the growth in, you know, your mentees? Yeah. So I always try to do what was done to me because I've had, you know, a number of, you know, inspiring mentors from the beginning from university, through the army, etc. And I always try to be that guiding hand as mm-hmm. well. And, you know, to be that sounding board as well with those I mentor. Um, so for me, I'd probably say it's trying to instill in them, you know, some of the lessons I've learned along the way, but also, you know, letting them know that you don't have to get it right every single time. It's okay mm. to fail. You know, yeah. we all, you know, you know, it's okay to fail. We all fail as long as we learn from those lessons, pick ourselves up again and try again, really. Uh, so that's my general approach. Uh, but most of the time, I think it's more about giving support as well. It's not just, you know, advising, just being there for someone. Sometimes people just want to talk, just want to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not necessarily be about giving advice every single time. I found that's the most important thing I can possibly offer. And it's trying to also see that younger generation of women come up mm-hmm. as well. And what I try to do is, you know, even if it's at work, etc. you know, if I see someone struggling to say, hey, do you need help? Do you need to just talk it through? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to go through this or, hey, you know, I heard you mention that you're interested in this part of the business. Can I introduce you to someone you can speak to to inquire about it? You know, help other women, help lift them up and you know, open the doors for them as well so they can go on and do what they want to do. So that's what I try to do. I don't have necessarily have a set plan, but I do try to be there for other women, you know, as much as, you know, you know my mentors were there for me in the past. Yes, yes. It's just being that listening ear for others and then also mm-hmm. helping open the door for the next person in line and recognizing, yeah. you know, the folks in your organization who are looking for that advancement and how can you offer whatever you have to get them there. And it doesn't have to be this massive grand gesture. It can really just be, do you want to have a conversation or I can introduce you to this person. And even if nothing comes of that conversation, they know at least that you have their back and yeah. definitely are going to feel that support, are going to understand that there's a community uplifting them, which always means the most. Yeah, no, exactly that. And you said, it's you know, knowing that you know, when things go wrong, there is someone behind you who's got your back. All the time. Yes, yes. Oh, beautiful. Getting all the feels. <laughs> So I I want to dive into something that I think is super fun. And we are here to celebrate the superpowers of all the ladies. And I want to know, Onai, what is your superpower? Oh, my superpower. Probably getting things done quickly. Sometimes too quickly. I thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I think I probably should slow down at some point and <laughs> just uh, but yeah, uh, I think one of the life lessons I actually need to learn <laughs> is that not everything has to be a 
speed race. But at the moment, I do do everything quite quickly. So it's always, you know, always the person who, you know, gets up, gets ready in about five minutes out the door, you know, yeah. doing everything, you know. So I'll say that's my superpower. Um, but let's say I do admit that there are benefits also to slowing down and also mm-hmm. enjoying the world as it yes. goes by. Um, so I say that's my superpower, but if I could, can I make up a superpower as well? Something yeah, really please cool. do. <laughs> like, I want you to make up a superpower. Yeah. Is fly. I would like to be able to fly. Fly everywhere. Where would you go first? <laughs> yeah. Oh, now first of all, I think I'd go to Australia. I've got a few friends like to see in Australia. But then I'd Amazing. just travel the world and see all these different places in the world that, you know, I still haven't managed to go to, you know, the pyramids, you know, I still like to go to Ecuador, still, and I still yeah. like to go to Venice, etc. And also just pop in to see all my friends. So if I could fly, you'd just take yes. me off every single place. Like, hi, <laughs> you know, just waving at you. Okay, bye. It'd be like see the classic <laughs> Onai's on the roof again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would save so much time. It was the best way to get everything done I ever wished to do. See, this, this connects back to you needing to do everything super fast (laughs) yeah you're just zooming around the planet yeah exactly so hopefully one no in the future i'll be able to fly in a plane (laughs) not quite literally and yes at least achieve part of that i think my superpower would be i want to read every book and i want to read them all right now and i want to just have all the knowledge sitting in my in my brain (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing yeah yeah all the knowledge ready at your fingertips as well exactly human google Yes. And if I'm a human Google, then maybe I can figure out how to get you to fly. So I think we should collab on this in the future. I think that is a plan, really. Yeah, I think that's (laughs) an idea to carry forward. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my gosh. Um, So, you know, adjacent to this super power question, are there what are the ways that you recognize sort of other people's superpowers and, you know, encourage them to share them, especially women, especially folks from underrepresented backgrounds? Um, What are the ways that that you maybe help or or just help foster an environment where they feel like they can share their superpowers, too? Um, Sadly, the most important thing, I think, especially for women, is to... um, get them to recognize that they have superpowers because the imposter syndrome mm. is real. Yes. <laughs> you know, I know, I know countless women who are absolutely amazing, who are always doubting themselves and questioning themselves. Yeah. So for me, I think the most valuable thing I can do and the best way I can support other women is by getting them to realize that they do have superpowers, you know, to stop doubting what they can do and everything they've achieved so far uh, so I think for myself that's the most I can contribute um, to it all that's kind of what I wanted to get at is that yeah. a lot of the times you know we feel like we have to hide our little light but it, in fact it, it does so much justice to the world if we just allow each other the space to share that those superpowers and it sounds like you're really inviting people to do that yeah, I think, yeah, and to say is to invite them to do so and recognize it. And, you know, talk about women and also, you know, others of color as well in, mm-hmm. in the world is not only getting them to recognize it, but also if I can do so, help them get those opportunities so that these yes. superpowers can be seen by the world. It may be introducing them to a friend of a friend or someone connected to LinkedIn. Another thing I like to try to do is 
how can I help you? How can I get everyone else to see this? You yes. know, yes. <laughs> because I know you can do more, and I really want to do more. So I really want to help you. So that's what. No, that's how I try to help in my own way. Um, <laughs> so I mean, we can only do as much as we can, but mm-hmm. you know, it's all about helping each other forward. And I know people have helped me so so much, you know, throughout my life, and I always find it's all about paying it forward, doing it for others, so that they can do it for more people. So eventually, amplify, amplify, <laughs> yeah, amplify, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And eventually, we'll look around and say, "Yep, you know, we did it. <laughs> you know, yes. high five, we did it with that." So that's <laughs> our <awesome> goal. <laughs> Exactly. You're going to just be flying around giving everyone high fives. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you touched on a piece of intersectionality, which of course is such an important conversation to have. And I would love to dive into how do you feel like your life has been influenced by allyship? I know that you mentioned that a bunch of people have done unto you, you know, the, these great favors that you want to pass on to others. I would love to hear maybe like a couple examples of that or, or just how, you know, the concept of allyship has affected you. So for me, it's, as I've talked about, the women who've had my back. So in the army, my very first um, twice, Shelley Pitches, who's absolutely amazing, who used to be the person to stand up for me, you know, when a young lieutenant, and he's scared to say, boo, she was no, a <laughs> very strong woman behind me. Who's yes. Like, right. She <laughs> you had know, your back. Person. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, she's, you know, the real, uh, one of the first examples, you know, I had in the outside world of seeing that happen. But I've also had other amazing allies, you know, amazing female officers throughout my military career who's all, who've always had my back. But that's also been amplified within Meraki, where I feel there's this very strong community as well. So I'm a part of Connected Black Professionals. Um, so we've got the UKI chapter. Um, so that's for overall Cisco, really. And what I have had is not only, you know, some of the senior leaders in CBP, but other women, you know, reach out and say, you know, in leadership positions, reach out and say, hey, how are you doing? You know, do you want to have a chat? How are you? How can I help you, et cetera? And I found mm-hmm. that's been very strong. But also, you know, other communities being allies, other communities, which has been absolutely brilliant. Yes. Um, so I can go back to, you know, last year, which is very difficult, you know, with Black Lives Matter, pro- matter mm-hmm. protests, et cetera. And what was amazing to see is how many communities came together, you know, and were fighting for social justice. But what that also did for me is, apart from, you know, realizing what allies were there for me, is realizing that I can also be a better ally, you know, Mm. to my friends and the people around me. And also about what can I do? I know people are doing their best, you know, to help me. They've got my back. But what am I doing to, you know, have the back of my friends who are part of the Asian community, my friends who are part of the LGBTQ yes. community? Yes. You know, how else can I, and what else can I do to help you? Because you've been there for me, now I'd like to be there for you. So it's yeah. something I've actually had to think about, you know, in detail over the last few months and see, right, how can I also be a better ally? You know, others have been good allies, but how can I also be a better ally? And I think this is, something you know positive that's come out of the last few months where Mm -hmm. we now actually have to look inside of ourselves reflect and you know think about what more we can do for our own communities and for those around us in order to make sure that hey everyone gets a fair shot of this everyone you know you know gets the respect they need and everyone you know ultimately has the same opportunities they need in order to succeed yes yes no i 100 percent agree with that and you know i think that 
I, I at least I hope that a lot of people spent the better part of this last year considering their role in allyship. How can you be there for your friends, but then also be there for people who you don't know, who don't look like you, who don't reflect a lot of your lived experiences? And especially in light of what, what happened in Atlanta this week, um, making sure that you know we have solidarity across a bunch of communities as well has really been something I've been reflecting on and having conversations with, you know, um, with the people in my circles as well. Yeah, exactly. And it's even just reaching out to see if people are okay, really. And I found, you know, when it was done for me, it made such a difference. Just someone reaching out and saying, hey, are you okay, made such a difference. And now yeah. I'm aware, you no, know, I need to do the same for others. You know, hey, are you okay? How are you coping? You know, is there anything I can help you with? But also doing my own reading, reflections and thinking as well. So I think it is a very difficult time for everyone. But I do ultimately think that, you know, this internal reflection that we have will hopefully, <laughs> hopefully lead us to have uh, a better future. Yes. And I think we're breaking open, you know, that it's okay to have these conversations. I think before people were really intimidated, you know, to say the wrong thing, to add salt to the wound when it really wasn't the right timing. But in reality, that's what being a friend is. That's what being an ally is. It doesn't mean you have to solve every problem, but just saying, I hear you. I'm there. What can I help with? I love that you pointed that out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we'll see what happens, but I am glad these conversations are being had. I never thought I'd be able to have these conversations in the workplace, which, you know, we have been doing, which has been absolutely amazing. So yeah. it's refreshing to see that it's no longer something you kind of whisper about. You just yeah. You, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know? just whispering with the people you know really well. and Yeah, exactly. But you can actually have these conversations, you know, with different communities, with different allies as well, so that everyone, you know, if you've got a question, ask it, you know, and having these yeah. open conversations where everyone can ultimately get away with something that they've learned. Yes, yes. And I remember in June, um, our team specifically, we had a conversation where our whole team sat down and it was just open forum. Let's talk. Let's ask questions. No one is holding anything back. You really can just come authentically as you are wherever you're at emotionally. Um, And, you know, even just like, where are you? How can we how can we really support right now? So that was a really great opportunity. And, um, you know, it sounds like you were getting to have that, too. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of <laughs> introspection to be had, and you know there were a few difficult conversations. But I'm glad, you know, we did have them as well. And what um, ultimately, you know, for me, especially looking at you no know, friends, colleagues, etc., is I'm so happy I've got them around me. Yes. You know, being able to have those conversations and that understanding has made the world of difference, especially in the last year. Well, 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 those were all of my questions. Onai, this has been absolutely such a treat. Do you have any final thoughts to leave with our faithful listeners of the Breakline Arena? So since we're celebrating Women's History Month, what I just would say is, you know, there's absolutely nothing that women standing together can't achieve. And I've seen this from, you know, the amazing group of women who around me and the community have, you know, if anyone has a problem, everyone jumps in to help. So, you know, in my own belief, when we band together, the world at Oyster and, you know, I do hope we'll continue to see a world where women continue to support other women. Yes, you guys can't see, but I'm fist pumping. I'm so pumped by that. (laughs) 
Um, Oh, and I thank you again so much. This has been just such a fun conversation. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I can't wait to hear all the other uh, podcasts and episodes to come out. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode in the Breakline Arena celebrating Women's History Month. If you liked what you heard, please do one of three things. You can like, you can subscribe, you can follow our podcast. You also should tell your friends, tell your family, tell your mom, tell your dog, tell your mailman, tell your mailwoman, tell your mail person. And if you are interested in learning more about joining the Breakline community, please reach out to us. Our website is breakline.org or apply to one of our programs. We will see you guys next week for another episode of the Breakline Arena.